You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Election College, Episode 185, James Polk. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey Jason, here on our little journey that we sometimes take a break from and sometimes jump back on for a couple weeks and who knows what we'll do next. But this week, we're talking about James Polk, uh, president. Uh, spoiler for the next couple episodes, sorry. But yeah, he's, oh. he's the 11th president of the United States. And he's <laughs> one that we don't often hear about or talk about or anything, but some would say he's, you know, rather successful. Yeah, Everybody listen up, because James K. Polk, James Knox Polk, he's the president who I think in the next few years, everybody's going to know about him. They're going to be like, yeah, I remember him, or maybe not I remember him, but I know about him. He was a nice guy. He was, you know, a guy. (laughs) He did stuff. He did stuff one time. (laughs) Well, the first thing you need to know, and maybe you'll even need to know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, is that James Polk is the oldest of, count them, 10 kids. And he was born back in 1795 in a log house in Pineville, North Carolina, just outside of Charlotte. Jason, you happen to be very near there currently. Yeah, well, I'm a couple hours away. I'm in Raleigh right, right now. But You're yeah, closer than I am. I am closer than you are. And so for most of you who know anything about what it's like to be in North Carolina um, a couple hundred years ago is <laughs> that, well, you're going to be of Scots-Irish descent, kind of like Ben and I are. And his dad, Samuel Polk, he was a slave owner, not like Ben and mine's heritage, but nevertheless, he was a successful, if you want to deem it, successful farmer. And his mom was a devout Presbyterian. Uh, her name was Jane. And unlike his father, who was a deist, she held on to her faith. But get this, Ben, this is crazy. And I don't know what kind of family relationship you would have 
uh, after an event like this, but they take young James over to be baptized in the Presbyterian church. Mm-hmm. And Samuel is like, nope, I don't believe that Jesus is the son of God and that, you know, all of the tenets of the Presbyterian faith. And the minister was like, nope, I'm not going to baptize your kid. That's a pretty big deal in yeah. the late 1790s, early 1800s. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you can just imagine that Jane uh, was pretty irritated by some, like you said, she was pretty devout. And actually, her heritage goes back to, uh, I don't know how distantly, but John Knox, the reformer. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar, but uh, if the crowd, if the if the audience we're talking to is familiar, but she was related to John Knox. So John Knox being like the Presbyterian of Presbyterians, somehow not quite descendant, but relative, not being allowed to be baptized. Uh, that's... That's a big deal. So so anyway, after that, in 1806, Polk and his family, or maybe his family took Polk with them because he, you know, he was just a kid. They ended up moving to Maury County in Tennessee, and they get rich. <laughs> they, they do some land speculation. Uh, Samuel Polk becomes a county judge. They end up homeschooling James, and he's like everyone in the 1800s, sick a lot. And, and he's in a lot of pain a lot. And he ends up having a bunch of different issues and urinary stones. And going back to that time, you know, it wasn't un, uncommon. Hey, we need some anesthetic. Fine, no problem. Let's get some booze. So he ends up getting some brandy for his anesthetic. The, the sickness kind of creates some issues later on in Polk's life. Yeah, Ben, just thinking about this. Okay, I think... It, it took me about eight hours to get from Kentucky to North Carolina. Uh-huh. And the Polk family, they're living in Tennessee. They go up to Kentucky for this procedure. So who knows how long it took for them to get this thing done. But yeah. can you imagine what it was like? I'm sure the roads were dirty and not very uh, pleasant to travel on. Uh-huh. And the problem, ladies and gentlemen, Ben and I are being very family friendly uh, when we describe the surgery, but it was down there, you know, and there, yeah. I, I've heard some podcasts that kind of make fun of the procedure and everything, but this is some serious stuff that was happening and to only be anesthetized, I can't say it. I can't even say it. How do you say it? You, <laughs> anesthetized. You got the, the gift. Yeah, that word. To only have brandy. <laughs> Um, just, and he was awake. Yeah. Just take a moment and, and thank God or thank the universe or whatever you're going to think, but thank God we live in 2017. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) As we've kind of alluded to, they think that because James Polk, spoiler, sorry, doesn't end up having any children, this surgery may have led to some of those things and left him in a situation where that wasn't a possibility. So, yeah, when he gets better, his dad's like, hey, do you want a job? And he's like, dude, no, I don't. Uh, sorry. And he ends up going to <laughs> uh, to an academy in uh, Murfreesboro where he meets his future wife, Sarah Childress. And he ends up then going in a couple years later to the University of North Carolina as a second semester sophomore. So he had already attended 
uh, school ahead of time, and then he ends up going there. And, you know, the, the family has a bunch of different connections with the university. It's a small place at the time. And here he kind of hones his speaking skills, and he, you know, rubs shoulders with some guys who end up becoming um, really big names that, you know, people have heard of. And uh, he ends up graduating, and the university's like, hey, good job. Uh, why don't you go do something else now, somewhere else? <laughs> Move along. <laughs> Move along, Jimmy. Move along. Yeah, he packs his bags up from actually pretty close to where I'm at right now in Raleigh, from the University of North Carolina. Actually, I guess it would be Chapel Hill. He moves to Nashville, Tennessee. He studies law, and he becomes a mentee of Felix Grundy, who was a renowned Nashville trial attorney. So on September 20th of 1819, with Grundy's blessing, he gets elected to the Tennessee State Senate, and he gets reelected in 1821 without opposition. And get this, Ben, his first case while he was an attorney, uh-huh. he defends his dad because that's what you should do. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently old Samuel, he was fighting in public. You shouldn't do that. And James gets his dad off pretty much without too much of a penalty. I think it was a dollar uh, that he was fined. And he's he's doing all right. So in 1822, James joins up with the Tennessee militia. He ends up being a captain in the cavalry and ends up, you know, moving up through the ranks there a little while. And because he's so good at public speaking, like we mentioned before, they start calling him Napoleon of the Stump. And you can imagine that, you know, he's he's stumping about up there and he's also happens to be pretty good at it. And he's a military guy. So Napoleon of the Stump, I don't know if that makes logical sense, but it is his name nonetheless. And, <laughs> you know, he's he's in this position for a while and... He's like, you know, I think I want to get back into politics or into politics, I guess the case may be. And he gives up his position so he can run a campaign to be a part of the Tennessee state legislature. He defeats the incumbent named William Yancey. And there you go. He's a member of the Tennessee state legislature right off the bat. You know, it's during this time that he gets to know Andy Jack, everybody's buddy. And I tell you what, Polk, he's not as uh, fearsome looking as Andy Jack, but I'm not sure if I'd want to be in a dark alley on the opposing side of James K. Polk, because he looks like he can mess you up. They're both definitely intimidating, that's for sure. Yeah. So Polk marries Sarah in 1824 there in Murfreesboro. And he's 28 years old. Sarah's 20. They're pretty much a political power couple. She's giving him advice. She's taking part in his campaigning. And Andy Jack is like, hey, you two, you guys are all right. You guys are going <laughs> to do some, do some serious damage on the political front for the Democrats. So... In 1824, as we know, Jackson ran for president 
and he loses not because he lost the electoral vote, but because there was this four-way tie and then, you know, the House of Representatives steps in. We've talked about this a lot. It was a corrupt bargain, and Henry Clay really cemented his role as the enemy of Andy Jack and really James Polk. So Polk comes up again in 1825, and he's running for the House of Representatives for the United States. He is going at this so incredibly hard that his wife Sarah is like, hey, uh, honey, you need to cool it because you're getting sick and I'm worried about your health. And, uh, you know, he's getting a lot of opposition, a lot of things that you would expect. He's 29 years old. His opposition says, hey, you're too young for a spot in the house. Uh, Sorry, you shouldn't be here. But guess what? He wins anyway. And he gets a seat in Congress. Yeah. While in Congress, he is a huge advocate for Andy Jack. And there are some issues that are going on during the Jackson administration that I don't know if either political party would have anything to do with some of these policies that Andy Jack was all about. Uh, For instance, they wanted to build this road in Kentucky that went from Maysville, uh, which is near the Ohio River, which actually it's... Do you say a city is on the Ohio River? I guess you do. Sure. And it's a road that they're going to build into Lexington further inland. And Andy Jack's like, hey, hey, whoa, 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 you can't do this. We don't get involved in local affairs. The federal government needs to butt out and let the states do their deal. And Polk is like, Andy Jack is right. I'm going to stand up for this. And it further wedges that divide between Henry Clay and his Whig buddies and the Democrats. So... I don't know if that would fly today, Ben. It seems like everybody's going for some federal money these days. But That's true. I digress. So moving along into 1834, Andrew Stevenson, who is the Speaker of the House at the time, is like, okay, I'm out of here. I'm resigning from Congress. And Jackson kind of nudges Polk a little bit and says, why don't, why don't you do it? <laughs> why don't you run for Speaker <laughs> of the House? And so he runs up against... Uh, John Bell, who is also from Tennessee, uh, he runs up against Richard Henry Wilde. He runs up against John Barlow Sutherland of Pennsylvania. And after 10 ballots, drum roll, please. Oh, he, he loses. <laughs> he was, uh, you know, this wasn't great for the current administration because that's Jackson and Bell who gets elected, John Bell starts kind of this anti-Jackson uprising in Tennessee. And we've talked a lot in the past about all the issues that Jackson faced and the difficult time he had as president just because of all the opposition that he faced. But don't fear, in 1835, Polk comes back, defeats Bell in a rematch for the Speaker of the House office, and... Jackson ends up getting his way by getting Martin Van Buren in during the 1836 presidential election. We've talked about that in recent episodes, so go back and listen to those. We won't get too far into that. Yeah, and so we mentioned Polk being a a fearsome-looking fella, but Uh get this, a lot of his peers, you know, like Andy Jack, (laughs) 
they were busy going about dueling people when their honor was insulted. But James K. Polk, not the dueling type. He never challenged anyone to a duel. And he said in 1839, hey, this speaker gig, this is great, but I'm going to run for governor of Tennessee. In 1839, he decides, why not? And keep in mind during this time, just like Ben was talking about, there's a lot of fractures happening uh, in our nation between the, the parties and then especially in the Democratic Party. It, it's looking like the nation's going to go to war at some point because of the regionalism uh, that's overtaking the Democratic Party especially. In 1835, the Democrats lose the governorship of Tennessee. And this is the first time since the Democratic Party had been established that this happens. So Polk defeats the Whigs in 1839, and they're thinking, you know what? This is probably going to springboard Polk onto the national scene as a potential vice presidential candidate in 1840. And then, hey, why not? Someday you're going to be the president. So Polk gets elected. He defeats the incumbent who had been there for a couple different terms. And he ends up beating them by like 2,500 votes, which out of the possible 105,000-ish votes, uh, not a bad margin to have. And so he comes in, you know, he's got his platform set up. He's got uh, all the things he wants to get done. And, well, it's it's not really a success. The legislature doesn't really help him out with a lot of things. The Panic of 1837 really hindered a lot of the things he wanted to do. It leads to this nationwide economic crisis that really hinders things for Polk. And it really, the only successes he has, he replaces a couple of the senators there who were Whig senators with some Democrats. And so those are really like the, the biggest successes he has in his stint as governor of Tennessee. So he runs again in 1841 against James C. Jones, who's a Whig, and he loses. Yeah. So it seems like our buddy James K. Polk got off to a really shining start. And then when he turns his attention to his home state, or his now adopted state of Tennessee, things don't look too great for him to springboard on to the national scene. But something big happens right around the mid-1840s, and that is where we are going to pick up next time on part two of the life of James K. Polk. Head on over to our Patreon page if you want to show us how much you love us. You can show us how much you love us with dollars. That's right. 11 cents an episode, which ends up being a dollar a month, really helps us out. You can uh, follow along with some of the postings that we put there. This past week, we even put an episode up early for people who are supporters. And, uh, you know, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. But we would really appreciate it if you went over to electioncollege.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Yeah, and while you're spreading some love, go ahead and leave us a rating and review in iTunes. Even if you don't listen to the podcast in iTunes, that's where 
it's happening where people are, well, actually, I think it's more like computer algorithms are reading your reviews and saying, hey, that podcast is pretty important to the world and we need more people to listen to it. So if you leave a rating and review, that's precisely what happens is our show moves up in the ratings and more people who are just like you will find us. And we love hearing when people discover Election College because, hey, we've got kind of a cool community going on here. Speaking of community, you can join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. We're there too. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead and find us at Election College. Thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time.